pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. K-O-N-E, Lubbock. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1. The Beard, starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher, Jarrett Johnson. The Beard sports director, Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pre-Game, Jeff Scott. Welcome to the show on a beautiful Friday morning. Jeff is out this week, but we have a lot coming up today on the Rockin' Pre-Game. Eric Haslam and special guest Tony Patelis will bring in the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. We'll recap where the good, bad, and ugly are in the Red Raiders football roster. Lady and Red Raider basketball, and we'll tackle the full court press. But first, it's time to get this the temperature the of the Red, Red Raiders. Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game. Let's get going with the Rockin' Reality Jack. Pistol Pete, you always blow our minds here with uh, <laughs> with these uh, rockin' reality checks. What's up this week, man? Well, man, I mean, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, a tough loss. I mean, the, at Oklahoma, the the Big 12's tough, man. And I know a lot of people are like, oh man, this team, what is going on? <laughs> man, it's the Big 12. I mean, yeah. everybody beats everybody. It is what it is. To me. Um, you know, they, now they got two at home. Uh, they got uh, TCU tomorrow at three, and then they got Baylor. I mean, you got to win these two, and then uh, you head back uh, and, and you get all that craziness again with the former coach, uh, whose name I forgot because I got short-term <laughs> memory. But uh, you know, I, I, it's, I mean, I thought they were going to. I mean, they were up five at the half, and they mm-hmm. just didn't sustain the the run uh, the Sooners did early in that second half and boom within four minutes they had it tied and then they took off so uh, you know to me I do see man if you're a number nine team you got to win that game you got to yeah. win at Kansas State so they've had now two hiccups and you still got to go you know to Texas and so you know I, I don't know I, and, you know, T- Terrence Shannon, uh, and, and uh, you know, he's still working his way back. And, you know, De- Arms was, was back in the starting lineup. So, you know, just, you know, I, I don't think they're going to win the Big 12. But no. Just well. prepare. And you know what? Who cares if they're a four or five seed? I mean, this team can still get it done. And so I look at it as you got to learn from these losses. And, and bigger and, and tougher games are coming up ahead. So, but, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's a setback, but the setback leads to the comeback. I like it. I knew you were going to throw <laughs> well, something. No, I mean, there. I was disappointed earlier this week, but I'm not like, oh, this team's garbage. Their number, they should be a no. 10 seed. You know, you, come on, man. This is I, we're, we're playing elite games. We're not playing, uh, you know, Jasmine Community College. Wow. I don't even know if there's such a school, but I'm just saying – Elite teams all across the board. You're not going to win every time. I, I, the only person I know who's undefeated was Floyd Mayweather, but he loses in court. So, <laughs> you know, Jasmine is a is a pretty big program. 
No, are you serious? No. No, I totally made that up. I'm like, let me think of a school that doesn't even exist. Why are you talking smack about Jasmine? I'm going to look it up. There's probably a Jasmine school. You know, it's funny you said that about, like, because people overreact to you know, yes. big win or big loss. And I know, you know, like on the inside of the Red Raiders, people were, like, pulling their hair out and stuff. Like, it's a, you know, almost like it's a football loss where they only <laughs> yeah. play one game a week. There's only yeah. 12 games. You yeah. know, just, basketball yeah. is just not like that. And really, this was the first time, even the Kansas State game, you could reason they played five games in 10 days. And that one was 11 a.m. Right, on yep. the road. And there was no one in the crowd. And yeah. actually, there was a poster who pointed out that it seems like this team really feeds off big crowds, whether yeah. it's at home or the road. Because they right. went to Waco and they beat, you know, number one yeah. undefeated Baylor at the time. They took Kansas to the limit, you know, in a packed house. Yeah. But it's when it's the Kansas State, there's 5,000 people in the crowd. Oklahoma, they have, like, the worst home court advantage in, in the whole conference, which is really weird to say, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, but... This was the first time I felt like Tech got pushed around physically and then also out finessed. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at the the shooting. I mean, it's that same thing. And this is what I think could keep them from making that another magical run is the fact that they don't shoot very well from three. And at times they don't defend well from three. And that is a really bad combination in college basketball because, I mean, you could break it down analytically. That's really what college basketball is. And the NBA game is yeah. shooting and defending the three. So, that, that makes me nervous, but at the same time, this team is still very talented. Yeah. It's really – it was a road game coming off a really – I think people underestimated just how much it took out of them going to Morgantown. That, that whole trip, uh, the physical nature of that game, and they got beat up. You just ask right. Adonis, you know. Yeah. On that, on the, so to come back, come home, and then go back to Norman and where there's not a lot of juice. You've had ju- – you played the Gonzagas. You played – Tennessee at Madison Square Garden. You've had that big game against Texas, obviously. Then you're going to Oklahoma, a team that's not very good. Um, it's just hard to get up for. I know that sounds like excuses, but it's human nature. It's a basketball season. We're not talking about football. So when I first took pause, was I saw the line going into that game was only three points. And that makes no sense, right? Yeah. I mean, Tech has been hot. Oklahoma had lost how, however many games in a row. That line scared me. That was the first time I said, whoa, I don't know. This this could be a tough game for the Red Raiders. And this was the first time, like I said, that I felt like they really got their butts kicked. Yeah, and even Mark Adams said afterwards, it's the first time we thought we got manhandled. But now they're 2-5 and five, uh, in away games. Yeah. And that doesn't count those neutral site games, which is what NCAA will be. But, man, uh, I mean, hopefully they can win a couple of these road games coming up and, and you know, feel good. Think about this stat. Number 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 16, 17, 18, 22, and 25. All of those lost yeah. in the top 25 this last year. And what week. was the Powerball? Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the Powerball was... I'm going to play those numbers. <laughs> there you go. No, you know what? You know what that tells me is that there's not a dominant team this year. There's there just not. isn't. I mean, there's really, realistically, 15 to 20 teams that could win it all. Yeah. And my question is, do you think Tech is one of those teams with the with the way they're constructed this year? Well, I do. And, I mean, I you know, I don't care if they're a seven seed or something. I mean, but, you know, I think three, four, five, somewhere in there, uh, you know, everybody's hoping they were going to be a two seed. But, again, you, you could still win all these games, and you probably would be but they're probably going to lose another one in there it's just tough my biggest deal more than the seating is what region are they going to be in right are they going to be somewhere close i would love fort worth well yeah dickies arena have you been there i have not man but dude just like how the when tech went to dallas that i mean it would be awesome that was one of like 
that's kind of been tapered down because the next year they went on that right. that obviously the Final Four run. But that was for me personally being from there. Like I remember after they beat Florida, having the double T on the ball on the Reunion Tower, going yeah. around everything, and how Texas Tech took over Dallas, which yeah. is hard to do if you're not yeah. the Cowboys. It yep. just it is. Uh, they took over the town for that weekend, and that I mean that was a magical moment. That really was. So if they could do the same thing in Fort Worth. I mean, how much fun would that be? Especially, you know, obviously with TCU just right right there in town. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And, you know, now they still got two. They haven't even seen TCU. It's so crazy. Yeah. They played West Virginia twice, Iowa State twice. Kansas. Some, Kansas twice. And, they, you know, Oklahoma's the first time they saw them. And now TCU, they haven't even played them. And TCU, what are they, 16 and 5 and 5 and right. 4? They're having, and you're going to see Micah Peavy. Micah, that's, yeah, which is going to be weird, right? Yes. I, I, I thought Peavy was going to be a guy who, however long he was in college, was going to stick of course, that goes along with the coach who must not be named, who will not be named, can't remember his name. Uh, I, you know, didn't know he was leaving, but uh, the fact that he didn't go with him to Texas and now he's at TCU—that's just, yeah, that's just the nature of the game now. But it's still weird to me. Well, and then the the coach who's not named, his team beat Kansas, so yeah. you know, uh, and then that I thought would elevate uh, the team because now, man, we got a shot to really be up in and 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 the you know the rankings for the, the net for, rankings or whatever. Oh, no, I mean in, to, to play for the Big Twelve title. Oh now yeah. Kansas had a second loss, but now you know you got a fourth loss. Realistically, Tech would have to win out. Because right. I don't see Kansas losing more than two games. No, two yeah, more. it's that's tough. just the way they they do. You know, Bill Self's too good of a coach, and just they're too good at home. I would feel good if they get into the turn the Big Twelve tournament and really do some damage there and beat one of those yeah. solid good teams and then move on to the tournament, whether you win the Big Twelve or not. You know, the Big Twelve tournament though, I'm, I'm like I have a different take. I just to me it almost seems insignificant. No, I agree. How many years did like when that coach was here? Yeah. Uh, would they go there and lose, like get smoked in the first round yeah. and then go to the lead eight or the, right. or the national so championship I, game? Know, it really, you're right. It really doesn't matter. And you yeah. know what? I don't. I don't know how much they factor it into uh, tournament seating. Like the right. committees, it's like you'll see a team going to run and they don't really move up that much. So or losing the first first round. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But it would be cool to hang a banner. This team is worthy of hanging a right. banner and or, or banners. And it feels like the regular season one. Just went out the window with that loss of Oklahoma. Correct? Yeah, well, now you're back home, so hopefully they can beat TCU. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the Lady Raiders later, and the uh, baseball's coming up next, yep. a week from today. They yep. open the season. That's exciting. Tech softball's playing this weekend. And then, uh, you know, I want to mention a sport uh, that I actually – I don't know if I should have mentioned this, but last weekend I actually found – the game on streams, and I watched Texas Tech lacrosse play TCU, and then two hours later they were on playing at SMU. Did they win? They lost both of them. Oh, great! But still, well, thanks for bringing I, it up. But I love lacrosse, <laughs> and it was great to see. And then I saw—I I mean, it's a club sport. It's not like you know Syracuse right. and all those big. But then I didn't even know Texas Tech had a powerlifting team, and they went and won first at College Station. So, you know, there are a lot of things going on at Tech you don't even hear about. Of course, hockey? we're talking about the big There's sport. like a club hockey there team? There is, oh. and they, they play out of Midland. In West Texas. Yeah, so uh, incredible. So, And then, you know, we got the, the big Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm probably uh, less excited. I, I could not care less oh, there you go. about this game. Yeah, nobody cares about this game. I'm excited about the commercials, I think. I don't know. You know what? I kind of like the fact that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people don't yeah. like. Are like, eh, this isn't. You know, it's not. There's no Cowboys I or 49ers or whatever. Yeah, I, you know what? The, this has been one of the best playoffs. Like every game oh, has yeah, been just were, like yeah, phenomenal. The other week. heart attack city. You know, for every game. So maybe, maybe this will be too. I mean, I like Joe Burrow. Yeah. Matt Stafford's from Dallas. Yeah. So you know, I I like both those guys. I like, I I like McVay too, uh, in the Cincinnati's for most of their team. 
I honestly don't even know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> There's like Jamar Chase, a couple of guys on defense, Joe Burrow, and then a, a bunch of guys, you know? And it's one of the more improbable runs to the Super Bowl. It is. So, I mean, you hope it's a good game, and uh, I know everybody's going to be at some party watching the game. So. Absolutely. And it's on KCBD News Channel 11. There you go. Yeah, Man, y'all got so. the big game this year. All yeah, right. we got the Olympics. So, it's, 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 it was, so are you even on TV anymore? You get like a break, right? I get, I get on real late, man. They're showing some. Last night we had Sean White and the, and the snowboarding and all that stuff. So we, didn't, we went on late last night. I would like to watch your interview with Sean White, how that would go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be good. He's interesting. So Speaking of, you had an uh, interview with Joey McGuire recently, didn't I you? I did. We were going to run that Super Bowl night. So, uh, you know, just uh, I got more excited about tech football once I talked to him. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he's, he's man, they're just working hard, man. And, you know, as, as I posted, hey, watch it, Super Bowl night, the first comment. You guys are elevating him, and he hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> Shut up. Heat. The guy's working hard. They're working all over. Give them a chance. You're not a fan if you say crap like that. Pete. You're not a fan. What time and what channel is the game on? <laughs> That's your favorite question. Oh, yeah. You want to see Pete get mad. Yeah, I mean. The fans asking him man, in this, this day and age yeah. what time and channel the game is on. That's another story. So, But anyway, uh, yeah, the Joey McGuire first uh, part runs Sunday night after the Super Bowl on Channel 11. I think we'll probably run it on, on this show next week as well. But, uh, yes, man, he's awesome. Awesome. We're going to be talking uh, Red Raider football here coming up after the break, so hang with us. You're listening to the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame on 101.1 The this is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Fortenberry Roofing, Wiley Implements, and Hub City Body Shop. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting update. Time to talk a little Red Raider football with uh, Jared Johnson from Inside the Red Raiders. Before we get into looking at the roster, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Zach Thomas not making the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I was a little disappointed. Well, He's got the numbers. I think maybe next year, but, man, year after year, uh, I thought this was going to be the year. Yeah, it's disappointing because, I mean, of course, we're biased, but we yeah. feel like he should be in there. He had a great pro career. He's had guys vouch for him, too, teammates and stuff. Yeah. You know, um, even, even opponents say, man, he's the hardest guy he should be in. Yeah. And, you know, we had him on the show back in the day, and I, he's still one of my favorite guests, just the things he said, the insight he gave into his preparation. Because a lot of people talk about, you know, his size and all, or lack of size and all that, and, you know, just how he was able to be the player he was. And he is a Hall of Famer. He should be in the in Canton, in the NFL Hall of Fame. So it's disappointing he didn't make it this year, but – you know, um, if it wasn't difficult, it wouldn't be a big deal, right? Right. You know, yeah. so it'll make it that much sweeter when he actually does get in. Yeah, because like Drew Pearson, mm. it took forever for Forever. Him to get in. Yeah. So you, you just got to stay the course. So, hey, let's look at the Red Raider roster. I mean, obviously, Joey McGuire taking over. And when I interviewed him the other day, I even said, you know, when you buy a car and you take it off the lot, it immediately depreciates. <laughs> but, but since he took over... The program is elevated. You know, uh, uh, Garibay kicked that field goal. They got a bowl game. He's getting keys to a bowl-winning team, and uh, he brings in his staff, and uh, a lot of good things are happening. But uh, before we go into position by position, what's your overall thought of what he's got? I like skill position. I like um, it has more depth than way more depth than what Wells inherited. Let's put it that way. And it's a more serious football team, more disciplined football team. I like that. Um, but they have some 
deficiencies in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, they do. They need better big uglies up front on both sides of the ball. And McGuire probably wouldn't phrase it that way, but that's just the truth. They need more talent up front. Yeah, well, let's start on offense. Of course, we start with the quarterback. Uh, we, we lose Henry Columbi, Maverick McIver, which, you know, mm. he was – was here but never got on the field uh, you got three uh, solid dudes in there what are your thoughts on uh, the red raider quarterback situation yeah you know i talked with mcguire as well and he's very excited about the talent at quarterback and he should be you, know, you look back it wasn't that long ago okay yeah mahomes was here which is you know generational talent but then talking about jet duffy and alan bowman that's a huge drop off in talent to get guys like tyler shuck donovan smith and baron morton in here I mean, that makes quite a difference. I mean, that's that's a big step up in talent, and that's why they didn't, like, make it such a big deal to go after a quarterback when he got here because he knows what he has in those three guys, and he feels like he could win with any of them. And to me, so we have kind of an idea what's up with, with Shuck. We have kind of an idea what's up with Donovan Smith. What about Bear Morton? Is he going to be heard from? You know, I, he's one of the highest-rated guys to well, this era to sign with Texas Tech. Is he going to really figure in this this quarterback competition, which I think is going to be the first legitimate quarterback uh, competition this spring that we've seen like the past decade? I know they've talked about it before, right. but it had never really been a real competition. We're going to see a real competition, and will Baron Morton figure in in there, or is he still going to have to wait another year or two? Well, and I mean, obviously, obviously what after uh, Donovan Smith did in the bowl game, I yeah. mean, you can see this guy, uh, you know, led the team. He did a great job. Shuck, you know, got it was injured. He's coming back. Uh, we saw a glimpse of what he can do, and people are raving about him. So, you know, it's going to be tough for him to leapfrog one, much less two right. of them. All three of these guys are pretty big dudes, especially Shuck and Smith. All could run. All could create extra time when the pocket breaks down. All could throw on the run. All have big arms. So, like, this isn't what I worry about. Yeah. It's quarterback, which is right. weird, right, because it's so, such an important position. But Texas Tech has so much talent there that I feel really good about all three of those guys. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure people say, well, who's going to be the starting quarterback? And say, let's just say it's Smith. You know the Big 12 is physical, so it really doesn't matter because yeah. Shuck's going to play and probably Morton, too. I mean, you need right. all three guys because guys are going to get banged up. they got to sit out a week or two. I don't know the last time we had a guy go straight exactly. through. When was I the last time? I, I couldn't really even care. tell you. Yeah. Mahomes played with, like, a torn ACL. Remember, like, he <laughs> hurt his ACL. He still played. I think that's the last time somebody played the whole season. So uh, the likelihood of that is very slim. Well, and, you know, we get uh, Zach Kitley in, the air raid. Yes. But, man, you got to have a running game. And, and Joey McGuire has said you're going to see it. What do you think about the running backs, some, some big names coming back, and, yeah. and even some, some folks coming in? You know, I let off saying I feel really good about the skill positions. And, really, these two positions are, are why, uh, quarterback and then running back. I mean, look at it. It's stacked. I mean, it really is. This is about as good a shape as I've seen Texas Tech's running back situation since the Leach era, to be honest. I mean, Sir Roderick, we know what they have in him. He's a home run hitter. He scores a lot of touchdowns. He's a veteran. Taj Brooks, I think, may be the best of the group right. all around. Um, there's nothing that he can't do. He's good. He's, his, he's the best running back in terms of pass protection, which they're going to be throwing the ball a lot with Kitley uh, calling the plays. But also, he's great between the tackles. And he was, he's been more of a big play running back than, than I expected. He had some of the biggest plays of the season last year. So I really like Taj. You know, it, uh, Xavier White, he averages like six yards a carry for his career. People say he's not really a running back. I'm like, well, what game are you watching? <laughs> he's just, he has that upright Eric Dickerson-type style that looks awkward. But, uh, you know, I, he 
he produces. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to figure in. Uh, Chadarius Townsend, I, he's to me, where does he fit? You know, I, they, they never really found a, a defined role for him. Yeah, he was going to be a receiver out of the backfield, four-star guy coming from Alabama. You're thinking, hey, this guy's going to be a role player. But other than on special teams as, you know, a kick returner, punt returner, some, he hasn't really played a whole lot. And when he has, it's been kind of – it hasn't been very spectacular. So he's one of those guys I thought might be looking to transfer again, but he's still on the roster. He's expected to be here this spring, so we'll see. Uh, Cameron Valdez. You like guy. I love Cameron yeah. Valdez. He's very raw. He came from a small school, uh, so the competition wasn't – he dominated. I mean, he was very prolific in high school. And he is really the home run hitter on, on this team. He can rip off, you know, a 50-yard run. And he, he's one of those guys who get one yard, two yards, and then a 50-yard carry, you know. He's always looking for that big play. And I think that's where he needs to learn the discipline of just getting the yards where you can, those, those tough yards. But he's shown the ability. Like in the spring game on a third and one, he carried a guy across for the first down. Um, I know the, coach, the coaching staff, the previous coaching staff, just raved about his ability and his future. So I really like him. And don't forget Bryson Donnell is a 2022 signee. He's going to be here this summer. And he is very much in the Taj Brooks mold in that he's a good receiver, good blocker, good runner. Um, yeah, you know, pretty good size already. So he comes in pretty much ready to play. So they really are stacked at, at running back, which is weird to say at Texas Tech. And then let's move to wide receiver. Obviously, you use the, lose the big guy, uh, yeah. Eric Azucama. Yeah. He's going to the uh, – he got an invite to the NFL Combine. Rigdon's gone. Mannix is Geiger gone. Too. Geiger is gone. Uh, so who's back? Yeah, you know, receiver is actually a concern. And if you look, they've really – they recruited it hard, uh, especially you know in the transfer portal. You look at Brady Boyd, um, was a big addition coming over from Minnesota. He was a really, really good player at South Lake Carroll. His dad was an offensive coordinator at Cedar Hill under Joey McGuire way back in the day. So a lot of strong family ties there. Uh, he's been clocked at 4-4, legitimate, laser times. But he also is the kind of guy who could high point and, and battle for ball. So I expect him to play a lot. Miles Price in the slot, he could have a career year playing for Zach Kitley yeah. in this air, air raid type offense. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to shine. J.J. Sparkman made that big catch in the bowl game yeah, against Mississippi sure State, that great throw from Donovan Smith. His potential is really off the charts. Along with Jerrion Bradley, you're talking about guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", that how do you defend those guys? And you really can't if it's executed properly. So I, I really like them. Loic Fawanji has been kind of quiet. You know, that was a big recruiting battle you won against Texas. You know, he stayed in West, in West Texas out, out of Midland Lee. I still like him. They still like him. But he's got to stay healthy, and then he's got to produce once he's out there. I think this is a year for him. Um, Galban, Galban's gone as well, but that's not really a big loss. Uh, Trey Cleveland. I know that he's six four, runs like a four five. He you know? had that amazing touchdown against yes. Florida International. Basically, caught it on his back. Right. I remember our camera was right on it. Like, man, great. So catch. the coaches coaches like to use the word flash yeah. a lot. All these guys have flashed. Sure. So okay, this is why we talked about him, and you know, during the recruiting process. But who's going to be consistent? Who's going to be that guy that demands double teams? All that stuff. I don't know yet. Other than than Miles Price and him and Donovan Smith have a great, uh, like, rapport. I mean, they're like best friends. You, you, you see it in games. There's a big post corner against Iowa State where that's when uh, <laughs> Miles got butt hurt. Remember he told he got looked like he got knocked out, but he said he got hit in his butt. And that's why he was on the ground for a while. But he made that spectacular catch. That oh, was... so he wasn't butt hurt, like, emotionally. <laughs> no, no, those hurt. guys go to Texas. They're going to Texas Tech. 
That's good. But no, I, I like Miles a lot. He, he he can do a lot of things. He did a lot at the Colony. He was a running back too. So I mean, they're going to move him all around the formation. I really expect him to be featured and have just a big year. If there's one guy to really focus on out of the receiving core moving forward, it's him. He's a guy who's shown he could do it, and I think he's going to – this offense is perfect for him. And uh, we're talking uh, Red Raider offense, looking at the roster. Let's talk about tight end, uh, Mason Tharp, uh, humongous. Oh, beast. beast. Yeah. There was a picture on Twitter, I think yesterday, of him, just some normal guy. <laughs> it did look right. It looked like one of those, like, when the kids are with wrestlers at WWE. Like, this doesn't, they're not the same species. It doesn't look right. He looks like a like an NBA player, you know? I mean, except all ripped up, you know? I mean, and then the fact that he could run away from Big 12 linebackers. I mean, the potential is there. I'm really disappointed. Kelly's got to be salivating. Yeah, and I mean, how do you not think of Jason Morrow? Yeah. And the way he was utilized uh, under Kingsbury, that All-American year. So, I mean, he's bigger than like, most of the defensive linemen he's going to face, and he can run away from all the linebackers. He's definitely bigger than the, the DB. So, uh, he the potential's there. But uh, Jared Castles, too. I mean, he's 6'6", could run, very athletic, played receiver at Wichita Falls Rider. Was, was very prolific. I like him. And then you got Henry Teeter. He's your blocker. He's your... The guy does all the uh, ugly things. You know, he's. Uh, it would be interesting to see how he's utilizing this offense, though. You know, because obviously with the 11 personnel, they ran a lot. Even when Cumbie was here, um, he was featured as like the lead blocker. You could just like follow him, and that's where they were going to run the ball. So, but he's a guy. I remember last spring. He was one of those spring heroes. You're like, am I even going to hear this guy's name in the season? But you did. I mean, he played a lot of snaps. So, And then you got Jason Lloyd, who is a veteran at this point. He was a junior college guy. Um, he can play. He's, he, he's a grizzled vet, and he, and he can play. He's not flashy. Like, he's, you, you know, it doesn't make you wow like a uh, Mason Tharp or Jerry Castles, but uh, he's a solid player tight end. They're, I mean, they probably have too many tight ends. That's why they didn't recruit him because I – they say they're going to utilize them, but I'm skeptical until I see it. Air Raid utilizing a lot of tight ends. We'll see. Well, uh, we're not worried about the quarterback. Uh, we need a line that's going to protect the quarterback. Yeah. What can we expect? Uh, who's coming back on the line? You got Caleb Rogers coming back, Weston Wright, a couple starters. I mean, you lose Dawson Deaton. He's been, what, four-year starter uh, at, at center. So that's, that's concerning. But you bring in Cade Briggs uh, from New Mexico. He's a couple-year starter, was a really good player there, and I think that's going to be your starting center. I think he'll do well. Um, but still, I mean, you really like your uh, team, to, your offensive line to play together for years. Deaton's been that guy at center, so that, that makes you a little nervous. I'm, I'm, that's going to be a position center that I focus on this spring for sure. And you got, uh, you know, Landon Peterson, who when he was given the opportunity last year, he played well out of Mojo there, uh, Desipermian. Um, Ethan Card, you know, he's up and down. He was hurt two years ago, and he started at what? Well, a couple of games at left tackle, and he got beat, you know, on a regular basis. Last year, he was healthy. He played better. But some of those more athletic animals coming off the edge in the Big 12 will give him fits. But he's, how he was 6'8", 325 pounds, something like that. I mean, he's a monster, and he is a good athlete. Like, supposedly he's a really good golfer, which thinking about a 6'8", 325-pound dude out there golfing, is that's that's pretty impressive, you know, having that kind of touch. So we'll see what he can do. Speaking of ginormous people, Trevor Robertson, I mean, is that guy ever going to, you know, step up? Was 6'10", yeah. 300 and Wellington, whatever. Wellington, right? Huh? Yeah, out yeah, of Wellington, Wellington you know. <clears throat> when I've seen him in practices, whether it be spring or fall camp, whatever, he's just 
like more than a step slow for some of these defensive linemen. I mean, you look at, say, like a Tony Bradford, who's smaller. Yeah. He's smaller for uh, power five defensive linemen. He just he barely gets his hands on them, you know. So he's got to figure that out. Usually that takes a year for those guys to, to catch up to, to the speed, and it's been a couple years now. So it needs to happen. The light needs to come on for him. Um, but you know what? McGuire told me offensive line was really what he was focusing on uh, this offseason. They're bringing in some freshmen. They're bringing in some transfers. They're bringing in Monroe Mills from Oklahoma State. I already mentioned uh, Kate Briggs. Uh, Michael Shanahan's a guy. He's very much like Josh Berger. That's a big loss, too. He started at every position for you in the offensive line the last two years. Uh, but Michael Shanahan's coming from FCS, but he was a you know all-conference player there. He has the size. So can he translate? Can he do what Josh Berger did, step in and start? You know, for for the season at guard, that's that's a big question for me. Well, that's uh, the offensive line. Let's move to the defensive side. We'll, we're going to do that coming up. Oh, we're going to come. It's a whole other segment. Oh, a whole other segment. Well, then wrap it up for the offense. What uh, what do you want to say about you know what what? Obviously, the line is probably yeah. That's it. Concern. I mean, these guys are receiver. Am I concerned? No, not really. Because like I said, they flash. I like quarterback. Like running back. It's going to be what if this offensive line comes together or not. Well, very good. Hey, well, you know, we're here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 82nd and University, always uh, making the rounds in the, the Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings, three of them here in Lubbock. And uh, you can come on out and enjoy lunch. Uh, they are now open for lunch. Uh, every TV is on in here. And uh, you can listen to us do the rock and pregame show uh, here at Buffalo Wild Wings. And that game on Saturday against TCU is on ESPN+. Plus. They have it at all the Buffalo Wild Wings locations. Oh, is that what Chamlet's on? I knew you wanted to know, Pete. Yeah, well, I need to know because 700 people know. are going to be yeah. calling me. So. Just seven? Come on. No, you're 700. Oh, I was about to say. No, they oh, all call. But they, they call it 258, 259. And so right before the game. Right before huh? the game, I'm like, you know, come on. Man. We actually have to do it from an analytics standpoint, like what channel the game is what on. What are you, Eric Haslam? How, 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 to, how, how to watch Texas Tech versus TCU. <laughs> people always give us crap about it, but. That's, I mean, you that's the worst. People, the cheat sheet. They that's need right. it. People want to know. You got to hand it to them. So, and we'll look at the the defense here coming up later on the show. When we come back, we're going to look at the new Rockin' Twenty Five College Basketball Poll. Listening here on One Hundred. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on One Hundred One Point One. The Beard, sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll on the Rockin' Pregame. College basketball has had upsets all over the place. Once again, we have our rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. We're joined by analytics consultant from Haslametrics.com, Eric Haslam, and Rockin' 25 voter Tony Patelis. Rockin' 25 teams are holding court at home, but the road is a different animal this year. How tougher is the road for teams, Eric? Well, aside from last year when road games were uh, were a different animal because of the pandemic, you know, you didn't have many fans in arenas, and that certainly impacted the uh, dynamic of the home court advantage. Aside from that, there are a couple factors at play here. First, when I create my game forecasts at Haslametrics.com, I use an across-the-board blanket adjustment to account for home court advantage. And it's based on the numbers from the 2019-2020 season, not the 2021 season when there were no fans in the stands. Using those numbers, if you take two teams with, say, average game pace that are ranked very close to each other in performance rankings, 
going from a neutral court game to one that's home or away accounts for about a three and a half point shift in the margin of victory. So if you make the shift from one team's home court to the opposing team's home court, you're roughly talking about a seven point shift in margin of victory. That kind of blanket adjustment is used universally within my forecast. So every game projection you see on my website utilizes this home this home court advantage. The other factor, which is not explicitly factored into my projections, is home court advantage on a team-by-team -team basis. It's not factored in because the sample size of home games for each team each year just isn't large enough to be 100% dependable, um, especially early on in the season. That's not to say it's completely useless. In fact, I do have a metric called AFH, which stands for away from home versus all of the performances from the current season. So you're looking at the entire batch of games versus all those games where you're not playing at home. By doing that comparison, you can get a sense of which teams might have a greater um, home court advantage than others. So a good example, take Purdue, take Rutgers. Those are great examples of teams that typically have poor AFH numbers each year. You know how good those teams are in their home arena. So it'll make sense that their away from home metrics don't sparkle as much as their home court stats do. And you can use that knowledge to give you a better sense of times where you might want to add, say, an extra half a point or a point to a projected margin of victory. Well, let's release the Rockin' 25 with Gonzaga on top with 10 of the 14 first-place votes. Purdue is up three to second. Kentucky holding third. Auburn down three to fourth. Arizona is up five to fifth. Tony, what makes Gonzaga scary and yet not really facing a test in the West Coast Conference? Well, when you talk about not facing a test, I think that's pretty much just a myth uh, when you're talking about, you know, I think people who say that are casual ba college basketball fans who start watching in February and March. Gonzaga plays one of the best non-conference schedules in the country every single year. I can understand where somebody might say, okay, they might fall asleep a little bit during WCC play because, you know, the league is generally not strong, but they're one of the best teams in the country. They have some of the best talent in the country, so I don't really think that's a big factor. As you see from their success in the NCAA tournament the last, say, five, six years, uh, they've advanced to the second weekend or, or farther every year, so I, I don't think that even matters. Uh, they'll be fine. You know, they have, like I said, the best talent in the country, so I don't think that's a big factor once it comes to uh, March play. I still think they're the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing, and I the, the reason I say that is because when they lost to Baylor, when they got blown up by Baylor in that championship game last year, I remember seeing Drew Timmy um, getting his group together and kind of, you can almost see by the body language he was telling his teammates, know how this feels this this feels terrible i want you to remember this because next year we do it right at that moment i kind of thought you know even though you lose Suggs, you lose kispert you do plug in guys like holmgren i don't think this is as good a gonzaga team as last year's was but i think the field also is a little bit down so in my opinion that old argument that they just don't play anybody, I just roll my eyes. It's only a matter of time before Gonzaga wins the whole thing. Non-conference, buddy. In my opinion. 6 through 10 of the Rocket 25 has a big 12 trio of Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor. 6 through 8. Future big 12 member Houston is ninth, and Duke is 10th. Eric, what do the numbers show about these top 10 teams that really separates them from the rest of the NCAA. I mean, Tony, which two teams would you not trust from the top ten? 
Well, I think it comes down to balance. And I made mention of this a little bit last week. In my opinion, teams that are the biggest threat to win the national championship have really kind of three things. A, you have upperclassmen experience. B, the ability to consistently shoot from distance. And C, maybe most importantly, you need balance, meaning you need proficiency on both ends of the court. And when you look at the 10 teams that we just listed, eight of those 10 are top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The only two that aren't, let's look at them. One of them is Purdue, who is 69th in defensive efficiency. Now, Purdue really relies on offense. They're number one in offensive efficiency, number one in adjusted three-point percentage, number two in adjusted near proximity percentage. They can convert from the outside and the inside, and they're number one in second-chance conversion percentage. They clean the offensive glass. The thing about Purdue is at some point your shooters will go cold. It happens to everyone. So you need you need to be able to stop one, someone defensively at some point. Think of Ohio State last year. Great offensive team. Just could not get it done on the, def- on the defensive end. And they ended up getting burned early in the tournament. Lost to Oral Roberts. The other team is your Red Raiders. 34th in offensive efficiency. They make up for it with defense. Number four in defensive efficiency. But... Their bottom half of Division One in three-point attempt rate, their bottom half of D1 in adjusted three-point percentage. It's the same kind of thing as Purdue, but just in reverse. At some point, you got to make some shots. So there are going to be some obvious flaws that each of those two teams, like Purdue and Texas Tech, need to address in order to win six straight games in March. But more often than not, the elite teams we've listed have that balance that you need to survive. And for that reason, one of them is like to emerge as the national championship on April 4th. I think Houston is one of those teams. As good as Kelvin Sampson is as a coach, I think their injuries will hold them back. You know, Marcus Aster is one of the best scorers in the country. Not having him is huge. What they've done without those guys that they've lost is pretty impressive. But once you come up against the the top competition in college basketball, I think it's really hard to get over that hump. So I would say Houston, I would also say Texas Tech, unfortunately, because as good as they are defensively, I don't know if they run into a a, suit, a really good offensive team. I don't know if they have enough bullets, firepower to you know hang with a team like that, like say a Gonzaga or, or a Kansas or somebody like that in a big game. So I would probably say Texas Tech and Houston were the, are the two teams that I would uh, mention. Exclusive to the Rocket pregame, the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rocketologists Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis. The middle five of the Rockin' 25 has Wisconsin up 1 to 11, Villanova at 12, UCLA falling to 13, Providence up to 14, and Illinois down to 15. Tony, is Villanova the best the Big East has to offer, and will any Big East team make it to the second weekend? I think when you really break it down, I would probably still have to have Villanova as the top team in the conference. The Big East is such a tough league. You know, I think besides a team like Georgetown, Butler, anybody can beat anybody on any given night. So I would still put, if you look at it on paper, I think you still have to have Villanova at the top. Marquette has done really well. Seton Hall is is up and down, but they've had some big wins. But I think Villanova... With their coaching and their roster, they certainly have some flaws. Their depth is an issue. They don't have a lot of size up front, but Jay Wright is such a fantastic coach. And when you really break it down, I still think Villanova is the top team in that conference. And then Providence is, you know, a, a, a team in the Big East that is such a just a, a, a head scratcher for the analytics guys. This is a team that's sixth in my performance rankings right now in the Big East alone. But if you look nationally, they're second in record quality. So there's a team that just goes out there, finds ways to win games, but then when they play these 
cellar dwellers, they're only eking out these single-digit victories. It's really frustrating for an analytics guy to determine how good Providence really is. And it will be interesting to see here in the next week or so where they're going to land in that top 16 reveal, if they will even land in that top 16 reveal from the committee. Well, 16 through 20 of the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, Ohio State is up 1 to 16. Tennessee jumps up 2 to 17. Texas returns to the top 25 after upsetting Kansas. Michigan State's 19, and Arkansas joins the 25 after beating Auburn. Which was the bigger upset, Eric, and will we see more of them before the month is over? Well, neither was much of an upset, in my opinion. Our projection at Haslametrics.com had Auburn favored by roughly a point and a half or or two points. Arkansas wins that game by four in overtime. And Texas was actually favored for us. It was practically a dead heat, separated by just two one-hundredths of a point in our forecast. The Longhorns win that game by three. You know, there will always be upsets. Athletes are occasionally unpredictable. And frankly, the upsets are a big part of what draws the casual fan towards college basketball. You saw it on Monday when Virginia beat Duke. You saw it on Wednesday when SMU beat Houston. Granted, those are not major upsets, but, you know, you go back to Virginia and UMBC in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. Sometimes things happen with very little explanation of why they occur. We're going to continue to see these in the, in the coming weeks. You always get a fair share of upsets in the conference tournaments. And of course, the NCAA tournament as well. It's part of the game part of the reason why I love it. But circling back to the original question, neither the Arkansas win nor the Texas win were huge upsets. But for argument's sake, I suppose the Arkansas win was the less likely of the two and hence the bigger upset. Well, the final five of the Rockin' 25 has you can't trust Marquette at 21, Murray State at 22, UConn at 23, Xavier at 24, and Wyoming at 25. Tony, Gonzaga and Murray State are the only two teams that have more quad four victories than quad one, two, and three combined. Is Murray State a second weekend team, and what's the most interesting factor about them? They're definitely a really good basketball team. I probably would say no regarding a second weekend run. Um, I think we get a little too enamored with some of these mid-major teams, as good as they are. It's, it's so difficult for any team to make a run in the NCAA tournament, whether you're Gonzaga, Kansas, or whoever. Uh, for a team at that level, like an OVC team, it, it's even harder. You know, it, it, That's why we, we rarely see it. So I would probably say no. They might win a game. Uh, I, I would give them that. But uh, going to the second weekend is a really tough task, regardless of who you are, and especially if you're at a level like the OVC. So I'd probably say no on Murray State. Not a lot of a challenging game so far this year. I think they've only they're only two and one versus quadrant one, one and zero oh versus quadrant two. There always is that concern of is a team really prepared to meet the the higher level opposition. I think Murray State could possibly climb up to that eight or nine line, but you know you're talking if you win that game, you're facing a one seed. Are they going to give a one seed a challenge? I wouldn't rule it out. You saw it last year with Loyola Chicago, but that's a that's a real tall order for Murray State to be honest. Other teams receiving votes, Alabama, Boise State, Davidson, Indiana, Iowa, Loyola, Chicago, LSU, Miami, North Carolina, Oregon, St. Mary's, and USC. Eric, as we get closer to the NCAA tournament uh, releasing their first 16 ranking, where do you see the top eight going? Well, I've got Auburn, Gonzaga, Purdue, and Kansas on the one line. That seems to be the popular consensus right now. Uh, my bracketology deserves agree for the most part. The only difference is it, you might want to flip Gonzaga and Purdue. 
The two-line is a little bit trickier. I think Arizona, Kentucky, and Baylor are comfortably on that two-line as of Thursday afternoon, both from a performance ranking and a resume perspective. The question then is what the committee does for that open spot. Do they go performance ranking, in other words, a team's true abilities, and maybe reward Duke the two-line? Or do you decide to reward resume, in other words, what a team has really accomplished, in which case you have a Wisconsin or a Providence in, in the discussion? The Badgers, Q1 wins as anyone else that I checked. Do you reward that? Providence is 5-1 and one Q1. They're 20-2 overall. Do you reward that? Part of me wishes that the committee went more with the team's actual accomplishments instead of what could be phrased as their perceived abilities. You know, reward teams, how they actually perform from a wins and losses and strength of schedule perspective. I think the NCAA's big fear of doing that is being ridiculed for giving a, a quote-unquote break by placing them opposite of a two-seed Wisconsin. or a t- I suspect that's their fear. And based on what I've seen from the committee in the past, they tend to place more weight on a team's true ability. So I, I guess I'd bet on a team like Duke probably getting the nod over a Wisconsin or a Providence for that open slot in the two-line. That's just the trend I've seen from the committee in the past, and I would not expect it to change now. It's the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll with our Rocketologist Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis. Which, which game, guys, is the game you have to watch out for in the next week? I'm going with Texas and Baylor. Um, two teams that seem to going, be going in the opposite directions. While I don't think Baylor is going in the, that direction, a lot of people do. Texas just had a huge win over Kansas, so that's a game that you got to really look at. Uh, Baylor is a team that needs to make a statement quick. They've had a lot of injuries. They've been banged up. So I don't really, you know, judge them too much, but most people are judging them. They're not believing them anymore. So I would go with that game. Texas is a team that still needs a couple, you know, quality wins to, you know, bump them up a seed line or two. So I would go with Texas Baylor. I've gone with the Mountain West twice in a row. Both great games, both Wyoming overtime victories. But let's try something else this time for the sake of argument. I'm going to go next Tuesday for the Kentucky-Tennessee matchup in Knoxville. Both of these teams well in the mix to be mentioned in the top 16 reveal next week. If you remember, this matchup wasn't much of a contest the first time at Rupp Arena on January 15th. Kentucky hung 107 points on the volunteer defense, which is one of the best defenses of the land. Won that game by 28 points. The Wildcats shot an incredible 68% from the floor in that game, including 11 of 18 from three. They actually even made 20 of 21 of their free throws. Just an unconscious, just an unconscious shooting day for Kentucky. Uh, and maybe I'm Captain Obvious here, but I expect this one next Tuesday to be far more competitive. Tennessee has been playing better basketball now, fresh off of two positively rated performances, both road wins, one over South Carolina, another over Mississippi State. Kentucky still gets the nod per our projections, but you know it's roughly a point at this stage. That's the difference, the margin of victory. The projection at this point is for Kentucky to score just 71 points here. So let's see if that number five defense of Tennessee actually shows up this time on their home floor. Well, friends, where can we find your work? I'm on Twitter, at Tony Patelis. I just talk mostly college basketball, and I mix in a little humor, so you can check me out there. And as always, people can find my ratings, my rankings, my projections, my bracketology over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter going hashtag analytically final at at Haslametrics. Well, our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is always available at 101thebeard.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> There's some humor from Tony there. <laughs> you know, uh, man, we've been talking 
Tech basketball, Tech football, Tech football. We talked about the offense, the roster coming back. We're going to talk about the the defense coming up out of the break. So come back with us. It's the Red River Outfitter rocking pregame on 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Pete's Tire and Service in Ropesville and South Plains College. Inside the RedRaiders.com recruiting. We're going to take a look at the defense, but uh, come on out and join us here. The Rockin' Pregame Show uh, making the rounds at Buffalo Wild Wings every Friday this week. Uh, we're at the one at 82nd and University. Come on out, have some lunch, have some uh, uh, a nice beverage, uh, take <laughs> off work early. It is Friday, man. Uh, good, you know. It, I mean, it should be a, a weekend anyway, like a holiday, because it's the Super Bowl. Right. You need time to prepare for Sunday. So take off at noon and come on out and join us. Make and, some memories. Uh, Absolutely. Come, come wolf down some wings and. Or, or boneless, or you know, whatever you like. Bone in, right? Yeah, I'm bone in all Come the way, on. dude. And, and, and I tell Those you are what, just chicken nuggets, uh, boneless. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a nugget, uh, and the blue cheese here is really good. I mean, I've drank a couple of them. Good the last night, you weeks. and blue cheese, boy. Yeah, I love blue cheese. <laughs> he does. He I really do. does drink blue cheese. But but it's he a sight to behold. But he doesn't like rice for veggies. Yeah, and I know, and blue, I know ranch is you mix it with and it becomes blue cheese. But I hate ranch. Uh, and Drama. It is what it is. Hey, uh, let's talk uh, now on the defensive side of the ball for the Red Raiders. We yeah. talked about the offense earlier. Uh, inside the Red Raiders, Jarrett Johnson does a fantastic job. Thank you, Pete. Uh, but you do. You Thank do. You. And, man, I'll tell you what, man, you you know this team uh, better than anybody. Uh, let's start uh, on the defensive side with the defensive line. What are your thoughts uh, losing, getting? Uh, how are they looking? They bring back a lot of veterans. Jalen Hutchins is back. Tony Bradford is back. Wilson's back. Uh, Bleedy's back. Um, LB Moore, who I want to see, like, it's, it's time, right? He got him from Amarillo, Tascosa. You won that recruiting battle over, like, the Oklahoma States, the TCUs of the world. He's kind of, he's an edge, defensive end kind of guy. I'm ready for him to make an impact because they need that. They need to create more pressure on opposing quarterbacks. That's really where this defense has been lacking. <clears throat> so we'll have to see. Robert Wooten is a guy who transferred in from Virginia Tech. He had to sit, which who has to sit anymore when they transfer, you know? But he had to just because of the timing of it. Um, he was a big-time recruit, so I'm interested to see what he can do in his first year at Texas Tech. And then this is an interesting thing, and there hasn't been a public like release on it yet. We haven't had a chance to really talk to Coach McGuire or anybody since we've seen this. But Larry Moore, who was a big-time recruit, on offense, on the offensive line, has been moved to the defensive line. He's listed as a defensive lineman on Texas Tech's official roster. So he looks, I mean, you look at him, he's one of those guys, you don't want to go down a dark alley. He's like the last person you want to see. He's like that kind of big and mean dude. He's a nice guy, don't get me wrong. But you know what I mean? He looks like somebody you wouldn't want to tangle with. Why so. do you think a move like that was made? I think they just, they feel like they need some more size on that side of the ball. Because, you know, look, I love Jalen Hutchings. Um, Tony Bradford, those two guys have been stalwarts, but they're smaller guys. I mean, I say that, they're 300 pounds, but you know what I mean? They're not, they don't have those big frames that like a Larry Moore does. So they need some more guys. Like with Devin Drew leaving, you're asking who's leaving. Devin Drew uh, leaving, it, that leaves a hole. I mean, he played a lot of snaps, and he actually did some things. And he's going to be remembered for that illegal hands to the face on third and 30,000 or whatever it was, you know, against Kansas State that, uh, you know, you could argue that cost him the game, but... <clears throat> 
you know, he, he made some really good plays for Texas Tech in his time. He was better than I thought he was going to be in his time, so that leaves a hole. And then Nelson Mabanasor, I mean, you could argue he never really reached his potential, but he did play a lot. So they need more size, and that's why they moved Larry Moore over, in my opinion. And you got some other guys coming in? Yeah, I'm really excited. I, this was about as good of a defensive line haul as I've ever seen, or at least in the last 10 years at Texas Tech. Uh, Joseph Adedire, he's out of the Mansfield Summit. He's one of those freakish edge athletes that I was just talking about that TCU and Oklahoma State always has. Uh, he's like 6'3", 255 pounds that he could run. He's got uh, – he's very – Agile is one of those guys that could dip his shoulders underneath those those giant offensive linemen and get to the quarterbacks, exactly what Texas Tech needs. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays situationally as a true freshman. That's how good he is, and that's how he fits a hole that Tech has just had uh, on their defensive line for a while. Uh, man, McElpine is a dude from Alabama, 300 pounds, already on campus. Uh, he, he's going to play pretty soon, too. I don't know if it's this year, but he'll play within the next two years in like a nose defensive tackle position. <clears throat> Sincere Massey and Harvey Dyson are two guys from Cedar Hill. They're two of the guys who committed to Texas Tech the night Joey McGuire was announced as the head coach. They talk about him like a <clears throat> another father figure, a guy they really look up to, a guy they've known since they were like an elementary, and uh, two really good players who have played at the highest level of Texas high school football who I don't know if they're going to play early, but they will play at some point down the line. Yeah, Coach McGuire is really big on both those guys. Well, let's move over to linebacker, and uh, obviously Rico Jeffers yeah. is gone. Colin Schooler, yeah. which uh, was a monster. Uh, Morgan Stern, uh, a lot of good guys gone, but uh, who's back? Well, first off, i got to start by saying you lose a guy like Colin Schooler. Yeah. You're just not going to replace him. I mean, I, I think he led the entire – by the time he left, he was the active leader in the country, like tackles, tackle for losses. I mean, the guy was just a machine. He was a very intelligent player. Think about that play he had against Baylor two years ago on the goal line. Um, some other amazing plays he had just this last year. I mean, he won some games for you with his heady play. So that's going to be hard to replace. But, yeah, they are bringing back some really good players. Captain Krishan Merriweather, um, he's the thumper. Big dude, sideline to sideline. He needs to get better in coverage, but he's very good against the run. Josiah Pierre, six foot, 240 pounds, another dude who could run. And at his size, he transferred from Florida. He got a lot more playing time last year than I expected. And he uh, he did a lot with it. He played well. And then you have some guys like Patrick Curley, Tyreek Matthews, uh, Derek Lewis, who I'm waiting for him to emerge too. He's a guy who could be a really good inside linebacker for you. They They need to take a step. That's going to be another position I'm going to watch this spring. Can these guys step up and play? Are they ready for Power 5 football? Because we don't really know the answer to that yet. Uh, but then, man, they, they're bringing in some really good players. Uh, man, Tavares Elson out of Louisiana is a violent human being. I really – he's one of those guys who, in interviewing him through the recruiting process, he's just really interesting person. He has a different take on football and uh, his responsibility as a leader and all that that was refreshing. But when you – what I really like about him is just – point blank how violent he is i couldn't believe that he wasn't hot, more highly recruited and he's another guy when i talked with mcguire he had the exact same feelings like man we watched this film i was like we gotta offer him today not tomorrow we gotta get this guy on campus these are the kind of players we need and he's coming you know he's, he's coming this, this this summer so he could get some playing time early just because of that ability to be physical that's what they need they got to be a more physical team on defense and he's the kind of guy ty Kana is another linebacker from katie he committed to texas tech sight unseen he couldn't visit couldn't get out here to visit but just on joey mcguire's reputation just just from that i mean he 
grew up in the KD uh, program. He remember when Cedar Hill and KD played like four straight state championships, which was epic. And uh, McGuire always kind of you know made an impact on him. And uh, so he was previously committed to USC. He has offers from everywhere. I mean, that's a big time commit, a big time recruit you have coming on campus too. And he he started as a true freshman at KD. We know what kind of program Katie has. It's about right. one of the best in the entire country. To start as a freshman is almost more impressive to me than start at the college level as a true freshman. So don't be surprised if Tycona plays very early in his career at Texas Tech. Well, and before we go to defensive backs, mm-hmm. uh, what can what, what what are we going to see from the defense? We got a new defensive coordinator, yeah. and uh, you know you just saw the Red Raiders play one of their best defensive games yeah. in the bowl game, holding uh, Mississippi State to just seven points. It was phenomenal. So now a new guy coming in, what's that whole thing going to look like? You know, sometimes the X's and O's just get so over-talked about, to be honest. I mean, I know that's what we do for a living, right. so that's good. People want to talk about it, but they're going to run a variation of the three-three-five, and they'll say they're multiple up front. They're going to say all the stuff we hear these defensive coordinators say, but almost everybody runs some version of the three-three-five to basically keep those – uh, slot those quick, those Miles Price type guys we were talking about earlier in the show in check to keep them from just you know beating them on, on any given Saturday, um, and then also to disguise what they're doing. It's all about having a versatile safety who looks like a linebacker or a linebacker who could play like a safety. That's why you play those formations uh, three three or three yes three three five. Math is hard for me too. <laughs> that reading math, all of it, memory. Uh, but no, I you know it's going to be very similar. I think just how they mask things in terms of pre-snap, how often they blitz, situational. That's really what where the differences are. It's not the formations that people like to talk about. And then how, how often they substitute guys up front and in the secondary. Well, let's move to defensive back, uh, you know, leaving uh, Demarcus Fields, Eric Monroe, yeah. uh, Xavier Martin, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys who, who yeah. had a lot of playing time. Uh, time for guys to step up. Fields is a big loss. Yeah. He was like the best corner Tech has had in a while, you know, and he, what, three, four-year starter? You know, he made some big plays. Pick six against Oklahoma State in one of those night games. Um, I, you know, just go down the list. He, he was a really good player. I think he was underrated here. I don't think he got a lot of as much love as he should have. Um, and then I, you could say the same for Eric Monroe. He had some really bad plays like sure. that. Remember two years ago against Kansas State? That's what stands out. You know, we tend to, as Texas Tech fans, yeah. remember the bad plays. But, yeah. you know, he was one of the only guys he showed up every week uh, he was physical sometimes in, against the run. He did have some big turnovers. Uh, it's just, you know, a feast for famine. He got beat, uh, I think, one one times too many often for, for some people. But Monroe's a pretty big loss, but not as much with Marquise Waters coming back at safety. Um, he was a guy who was like a team captain. He had that big pick six actually against was it Florida International. Mm-hmm. It was a slow start. Looked like Tech was going to be pushed by Florida International. He got that pick six. Chuck started rolling, and Tech blew him out like they should have. Uh, but then he got hurt and missed most of the season. So he's coming back for like an eighth season of eligibility, whatever it is now in the COVID era where you get however he's many. He's got to be hungry. He is. He is. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he's basically always saying how hungry he is. Okay. But you know what? Uh, he's one of those guys who backs it up. Like, he really impressed me last spring. He's the kind of guy that he's making the water boy laugh. He's talking to, like, the young freshman safeties, teaching them, you know, technique. He's chopping it up with coaches and stuff, you know, always talking smack. Come over to the media and talk to us. He's just one of those personalities that he's just going to be a leader as soon as he, he uh, gets to campus, and he is certainly that. So that's huge uh, to have him. You know, you pair him with some of these other safeties, like Reggie Pearson, who had a really good bowl game. Um, 
he started off really hot. He was really good in that Houston game, all those turnovers they got. And then he got kind of beat up, and he tried to gut it out in some games, and he struggled. But they, that's the thing about the bowl games. He got healthy, he came back, and he had that one lick. I don't know if you remember, around the goal line on a Mississippi State dude, yeah. and it was like one of the plays of the year. Yes. You know, I mean, that guy's a physical dude who can also play in cover. So if these guys can stay healthy, and that's always a big if, they have a really good one-two combo in terms of that safety. And they have some young guys coming up, um, you know, that I think can play. And they're bringing in some guys uh, that I like. Uh, Marion Horn, where do you want to play him? <laughs> I mean, seriously, he was an All-State running back, four-star All-American. He was All-American, Under Armour All-American at running back. But he's a four-star corner. He can play safety. He can play receiver. Hey, if you need him a quarterback, I bet he can play some you know, option quarterback for you. The guys, he's your highest-rated recruit of the class, and you watch his film and you see why. He's a really good player, so very versatile player. And he might play offense, defense, and special teams for you. Um, Man, Landon Hullaby at safety. He was committed to Oregon. He was committed to Texas and committed to Oregon. You know, he comes over with DeRuiter. And, uh, you know, he, he's a really highly rated, talented guy. You don't get those kind of talented safeties here at Texas Tech often. So, again, with some of these veterans ahead of him, I'm not prepared to say he's going to play a lot as a true freshman. But it's one of those where attrition hits, guys are hurt, and he steps in. This guy could play football. Well, let's move over to special teams. And, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I remember – the, the highlight of the team was the punter, Austin <laughs> oh. McNamara. You, no, seriously, you well, remember that? He's Everybody pretty, was, I mean, and he's, he's still one of the he's stars. Great. He's yeah. good, yeah. So he's back, but, man, you lose Jonathan Garibay, yeah. and, uh, man, people were so excited about him. Uh, that Kicking that 62-yard field goal, I mean, yeah. that put his name on a lot of NFL scouts' list. And, yeah, he's going to play in the NFL. Yeah, he's he going to get a shot. And that's you know, exciting for him. So uh, we lose Garibay, but, man, they, they pick up a kid who – who's uh, pretty good out of Houston Baptist. Gino Garcia, he was all Southland Conference. You know what I see when I look at his stats, um, not necessarily like, I mean, Garrett Bay missed one kick all year. Right. You know what I mean? That's a high standard to set there, yeah. in, including like how clutch he was. Um, but Garcia has a leg. He has kicks of last year like 49 and two over 50 that he converted. So we know, hey, if it's inside the 40, you're within Gino's range. It's just, is he going to be consistent on those 40 to 45 yarders. That's what you need, you know. So I like him. I'm anxious to see how he does in spring and then, of course, camp and all that. Um, but, you know, I, you got Trey Wolf still, who, again, has a big leg, but he had that one year, it seemed like forever. How's this guy still in college, too? You know, like, it was like three years ago where he was really good. Like, he was a borderline all conference kicker, and then he got hurt. And that really cost him some, you know, he started missing extra points. I think it was Kingsbury's last year here. That's how long Trey Wolf has been here. And, uh, but he's kind of been in and out. He lost uh, a close competition to Garibay, and we see why with what Garibay did. But he's still here. Um, so I feel really good about kicker. You have two guys you know can do it. It's just are they going to be consistently good? And uh, that runs down the, the, the roster overall. Can you, can you give a number? Of, of what you're thinking at this point before we even get yeah. to the spring ball and you know it, it could that could elevate it and then of course in the fall but i mean right. this is way early what are you thinking for joey mcguire's first year yeah to me they should go to a bowl game you know i think that should be the expectation yeah um other than that i think saying oh they should win eight games or not that's unrealistic yeah. maybe they do yeah i don't know but i think the expectation should be they get to a bowl game. If they do that, then they could keep recruiting, keep developing, and then build from there. And just with all the guys coming back, just having won that bowl game yeah. and having that feeling and the excitement, 
you know they want to get back there. And that's huge that they got to go and then to win it. Not just that, but who they played. Right. I mean, I think it matters for the fan base and just, I mean, that healed a lot of wounds Yeah. with beating and Leach. And not just beating Leach, but beating Leach the way they did. Like you mentioned, the defense just totally stopping their, their offense. Like, and of all the things we would have predicted going that game, that would have been the last thing, right? Is yeah. Tech defense putting up like an Alabama-type performance against their offense. So, no, it was cathartic. It was necessary. And there's just a lot of good feelings around Tech football, more so than there has been in a long time, and for good reason. Absolutely, and obviously uh, you can go to InsideTheRedRaiders.com and, and read up and, and see a lot of good things about Red Raider football and basketball and everything inside the Red Raiders. So keep up the good work, Jared. Thanks, Pete. Just trying to live up to uh, trying oh, to beat Pete. Trying to see if I can beat Pete. You can't beat Pete. You can't beat. That's what everybody says. It's not what, what channel of game on. Everybody says, hey, Pete, I can beat you. <laughs> How many times throughout the years, like, hey, hey, Pete, I can beat you. And I'm just going to say it because we're in an establishment that serves alcohol. I am 19-2 and two in unofficial I beat Pete challenges inside of establishments like this. Should have a, uh, well, the last one I did, I lost horribly, and that was about five years ago at another uh, place in this town, and I said, I'm never doing that again, and have never done one since. I feel like somebody, I don't somebody know exactly what place. Oh, okay. It was shots. It was shots. I was going to say, come on, Pete. Oh. I think I might be able to give you, you a run for your money the in there. Like, people are like, hey, there's Pete Christie. Let's, let's right. challenge him. I'm, what am I going to do, be a punk and say no? I say yes. Do you still say yes? No. I, I, I see somebody come and I get out of there. I don't I don't even get to the conversation. Oh, Pete, man. You're the gift that keeps I'm on done. giving. Man. I retired. I retired. <laughs> hey, when we come back, we're going to talk some Red Raider baseball. A week from the day, they're going to be in Globe Life Field starting the season. Super exciting. Uh, top five ranking for this team. Always exciting for the Red Raiders. Uh, we're going to talk that when we come back on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show live from Buffalo Wild Wings at 82nd and University on 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Cotton Court Hotel, D Equipment, and Weston Water Well Drilling and Pump Service. Red Raider Baseball on the road. And Red Raider Baseball starting on the road. The season starts a week from today. Red Raiders will be at the State Farm College Baseball Showdown, uh, opening up with Michigan. That's a team uh, you beat a couple years ago, and then you lost to them at the, the College World Series. Michigan, uh, that game is 7 p.m. next Friday night. Uh, and before people say, what channel's it on, <laughs> It's on Flow Baseball. Oh, gosh. How do I watch that, Pete? Just come to Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings has uh, Flow Baseball. They're going to have this game up uh, next Friday. Uh, you open with Michigan at, at Globe Life Field, home of the Texas Rangers. Then Saturday, you got Auburn, another good game at 3 o'clock. And then Sunday, uh, you take on Arizona at 2.30. And so those three big games start out the season. And then the following Tuesday, 22nd, uh, they are home against Dallas Baptist to kick off the home schedule. And then that weekend, uh, they'll host Kent State. So once we get going next Friday, uh, man, it's go, go, go. So the team preseason ranked number four, uh, yet they're number three in the Big 12 preseason rankings. Uh, big star, Jace Young, uh, the preseason Big 12 uh, player of the year. He was 
uh, the player of the year last year. So uh, obviously, uh, Youngs uh, have good things in their genes and their <laughs> bloods. Uh, but man, Jace uh, looking to have another big year. Uh, Tim Tadlock, we got to talk to him. And, uh, of course, uh, man, just having this opportunity to play in the State Farm Tournament in Globe Life Field, uh, Tim Tadlock talked about that. I think any time you get an opportunity to get baseball guys together and uh, baseball community together, um, starting with college baseball and pro baseball and the scouting community, uh, most of us hadn't been around each other a whole lot over the winter. And... Uh, I think anytime you have some type of tournament setting with good competition, uh, we all look forward to seeing people we hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, I think we all look forward to seeing how our teams are going to respond in this type of environment. And anybody thinks they really know, probably, you know, you're kidding yourself. And um, it's uh, it'll be fun to go out, you know, and play against these guys and uh, be even funner to see them off the field. Well, and of course, some exciting things happening at Texas Tech. You got the the new Womble for football, but man, what about baseball? Where well, they're getting some things going too, some new f- parts to the facility. And Tadlock talked about that. A lot more excited this morning than we were last night. They hit a sewer line last night, so Christian, it's uh, anytime you got construction going on at, around your facility, it's always interesting and. Uh, we're really excited about 9 o'clock this morning when they got the showers working. And, uh, you know, that project's going to take some time. It's going to take a couple years. And so far it's been pretty seamless with them staying out of the way and us being able to get our work done. And um, we're really thankful for the people that contributed, you know, to be able to make that deal happen. Well, and, of course, uh Texas Tech returning to play in the State Farm Classic last year. Uh, they started out 0-3, and, and uh, Tadlock talked about, you know, what happened last year when they came to this event. It was a first-class event. Um, the teams in the event last year played at a really high level um, coming out of the gate. Um, there was a lot of feedback, you know, just uh, one-on-one matchups, what you needed to do within your roster uh, for guys to compete at a high level each day. Um, you know, I think there was um, probably the interesting thing about last year was we were the whole state was in a freeze and uh, there was barely um, it, it was very interesting. I mean, I want to say a number of teams um, it was the first time they saw live pitching in uh, maybe seven to ten days. And so you kind of knew that you weren't really seeing um, teams play at the level they were going to play at. Uh, four or five weeks later, uh, but it was it was uh, really cool to see everybody in the same venue and um, to see the kids compete with what they had at that time. Well, the Red Raiders always uh, in the elite status in baseball, always talking about Omaha, not a dream anymore. It's always a, a reality and a chance to get there. Uh, but that's why a, a team like this gets to the State Farm Tournament. And to get back for a second year, uh, the organizer talked about uh, having and why they bring Texas Tech back for a second year. Well, listen, I think the reality is uh, we, we went to a, lo- a lot of programs um, and asked them what their schedules were for, for future years. It so, just so happened uh, that Coach Tadlock and the team had availability back-to-back years. And listen, Texas Tech, uh, we, we, we're thrilled to have them anytime we can have them. Not only do they have an incredible fan base in the area and a great program, they're terrific to work with. And so 
um, you know, we, we've invited, you know, we, we asked Coach in the year he can that if, if he wants to play in this tournament. Well, of course, uh, Jace Young and Josh Young uh, always talk of who's better, who's this, that. You know, we just had uh, Josh Young in town with the Texas Rangers caravan. And uh, when the lockout ends and they get to camp, uh, you know, J- uh, Josh is, is trying to make the uh, big league roster from the get-go. He wants to make his major league debut. Uh, but, uh, you know, coming up uh, behind him, his brother, Jace, uh, many say he's better. Uh, we asked Tadlock uh, on comparing Jace and Josh. I don't know that you want to really compare them. Um, what makes them really good is their work ethic, their passion for the game, um, the way they prepare. Um they really give themselves an opportunity to be successful by the way they, by the way, by their preparation. And, um, but to- two totally different guys. Uh, one guy played shortstop for us and Josh and Jace could end up playing over there before it's all said and done. We'll see. Um, but both really good. You know, both, both guys can play catch at a high level, uh, but two different top hitters. Of course, the Red Raiders open the season next Friday night, taking on Michigan at the State Farm uh, Tournament Showdown in Arlington at Globe Life Field. And Tim Tadlock talked about facing Michigan and then, of course, seeing them back in 2019. We've got all the respect in the world for Michigan and their program and um, everybody that's uh, within all these leagues. When you look at the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the SEC, um, all these are uh, really good baseball leagues. Um, just as it relates to Michigan and what you ask about 19, they kind of got us at the end of the year. I mean, that hadn't been said yet. And they got us twice in Omaha, and I uh, think he was uh, – those guys played at a really high level, played for the national championship that year. Um, it was – you know, I think what their team did that year is what we aspire all of our teams to do, uh, to keep getting a little bit better as the year goes. Uh, their team was a totally different team uh, in June than it was when we played them early in the year. And uh, same bodies, same guys, but playing at a, at a way high level. And um, But, again, that, let's not forget about everybody on here. We've got a lot of respect for all these guys really good relationships with all of them and uh this should be a really good tournament from a baseball standpoint and should be something for the fans and people around the metroplex that's uh one of the best baseball communities in the country and i know they'll support it well yeah no doubt about it they got michigan auburn and arizona next weekend at the state farm college baseball showdown man i cannot wait to be at dan law field on a sunday sitting there we just had great weather last week and i was just envisioning being at dan law with the sun coming down watching some baseball there's nothing better and I think the best part is when you're sitting down on one of the the, the, the lines. You got a hot dog in hand. Yeah. You got a, a frosty beverage in the other, and you just watch it. And it, it makes you. It's like normal's returned. That's what I want. It's, yeah, there's I, I, no doubt. And I love sitting on the first base line. And uh, I can't wait this year. I cannot wait either. Well, what's coming up next? Well, coming up next, we are going to talk Red Raider basketball. Setback earlier this week, but in comes TCU. We'll talk about it on the Rockin' Pregame Show, live from Buffalo Wild Wings at 82nd and University on 101 Point. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. 
sponsored by Meineke, Zocco, and Bud Light. Texas Tech basketball. Well, Pete, Texas Tech was rolling. I mean, they were looking like, I mean, they jumped into the top 10 of the AP poll. Uh, it looked like they were going to really compete with Kansas. And I know they still are, yeah. but it looked like they were really going to give Kansas a run for that Big 12 regular season title. And then they go to Oklahoma, they go to Norman, face a team that has really been struggling in front of, let's face it, not a really big home right. crowd. And they got roughed up. They lost 70 to 55. They allowed the Sooners to score 45 points in the second half. Gibson, I can't pronounce his first name, but that dude, that fast guard Gibson, uh, went off for 30. I don't seem like he scored more than that. Um, and Texas Tech suffered a big loss. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just the worst loss of the season so far. Yeah, and even Mark Adams said, man, we really got beat up. And, uh, you know, may, maybe you need something like that, although you had that against Kansas State. And, yeah. and maybe this team's going to regroup now. But the, the silver lining, if there is one, is you're now home where you're 14-0. and 0. Uh, You had that emotional game with Texas. You got TCU tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Uh, it is on uh, ESPN Plus. Yes. And uh, for people, like, what channel is that? It's not. A, I don't know why I make that fake. People don't talk like that. Which uh, channel is that, Pete? But it's it's on the Internet. However, uh, <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings here, any of them. Eight, we're at 82nd University today. They have uh, ESPN Plus, and you can watch the game 3 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, and then next Wednesday, uh, they got Baylor, and uh, that's a home game. So the next two at home. You hope you can right any wrongs and get back on a roll because then the next road game is Texas. Yeah, you, you know, here's the deal with these three games. They're in-state, Big 12 rivals. Um, TCU is a team that you've owned for years now, but this is one of the better teams, at least record-wise, uh, that has been around you know, for the last several years. 16-5 and five, uh, overall, 5-4 and four in the Big 12. I think it's – I saw something on, like, Twitter – where TCU was saying it's their best start in the Big 12 in 18 years, or some of the best start in conference in 18 years. Um, so that's that's what you have facing you. You I, all of a sudden this TCU game becomes really important because you lose that game. You got Baylor coming back or coming to Lubbock looking for some revenge, right. and then you got Texas. You know they want some revenge there in Austin. And look, I know there's going to be a lot of Red Raider fans there as always, more than usual I think for obvious reasons with yeah. beard and everything. But uh, this TCU game. Bouncing back from the Oklahoma loss is all of a sudden becomes really important. You know, you kind of look on the schedule going to the season like, eh, other than it being, you know, TCU and the kind of the rivalry or right. whatever. It's like, eh. But now, like, man, you lose this, that's a big feather in TCU's cap, and you're starting to look at a losing streak with two of the tougher teams in conference right. on the schedule coming up. So they need to win. They need to handle the business. And tomorrow. they do. And, and there's no excuse playing at home. Uh, you know, when, yeah. when former guys come back, uh, here comes another one, Micah Peavy. What, what do you think uh, how he's going to be? Uh, received? Received. I couldn't <laughs> the word. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of love for Micah Peavy. Yeah. He was here one year. Yeah. Uh, he, it was a fair year. You know, I mean, he had some moments, but yeah. he was a terrible free throw shooter. Yeah. Um, I'd say the reaction was mixed in terms of him leaving some people you can see his potential he's a very good defender a good rebounder um you know the assumption is the offense would come later but other people are like no i mean come on he shot what 50 something percent from the free throw line couldn't hit a three i had problems making he's one of those guys on the team that had problems making layups last year when they were when they were really struggling but uh he's a really good player i really like his dad coach duncanville uh interviewed him and talked to him and 
Um, he's one of the best high school coaches in the country. And of course, Duncanville is a, is a national power. Um, so he comes from an important family in terms of sending recruits and those relationships. And you want those recruits out of Duncanville. Um, but do I, am I scared of him compared to all these guys you see every week, or twice a week in the Big 12? No. Those little dudes like Gibson is who are the ones that give Tech problems because yeah. Tech has these lengthy defenders, these guys on the wing, and they're, they're great in the interior this year. It's those quick guys who can kill you from the three-point line that, that really give Tech problems. Well, I know after the game, uh, Shannon, who had 11 points in the game, said, man, we're going to go back right back to the table. We're going to improve our defense. We're going to be ready for TCU. Obviously, these guys are working hard in these next three days. They've got to win tomorrow at home. Here's another question. I think that's one of the questions of the team this year is, is it better or with or without Terrence Shannon? I mean, you got to ask that. I mean, yeah. I think that's, that kind of thing's overblown sometimes, but there's enough evidence this year to, to suggest that Tech might be better without Terrence Shannon, which sounds crazy, right? Yeah, and you, I, mean, I think that really came out after the Kansas game. I mean, yeah. he was throwing up some threes and stuff. But, you know, he, I mean, talk about a, a selfless player. Yeah. I mean, this is no a guy, doubt. hey, I don't need to start. I mean, yeah. when he said that, and even this year, I mean, he's not like, I have to start. I mean, he came off the bench, had 11 points. Uh, you know, he's working his way back. But, you know, uh, may, I mean, I thought he's got a little bit. He still needs to get back. Why not let him get better off the court and have him ready for the tournament? My problem with him is he, you don't lose anything with or, I mean, yeah. with or without. And they have a lot of versatile guys. Like him or Adonis Arms defensively, they're very similar. Um, and Arms has been off recently very off from, right. from three-point land but you lose some efficiency with Shannon I, he takes ill-advised shots where the ball sticks in his hand uh, because he can he knows he can get a shot off but this offense works so much better all basketball offense works so much better when you're moving the ball around trying to get better shots he takes too many tough shots forced shots in my opinion and I think that really hurts like two or three of those a game could be the difference in swinging and if five or six point run and I think we saw that the second half against Oklahoma where he took some really tough shots that you got Bryson Williams you have uh, Kevin McCullough who can get to the rack you have even Kevin O'Banner who who can do some things you don't have to force that you know you don't have to to force that shot and take that bad shot when you have all these other options so that's where he has he has to grow if he doesn't I mean it's gonna be like a rest of development in in his basketball game because he I mean that is what's stopping him from taking that next step as a basketball player Oh, when you said Arrested Development, I thought... The show? T- Tennessee. T- Tennessee. <laughs> oh, wow. You're going back to the 90s. Said, wow. <laughs> what are you talking about here? Are you sending him to Tennessee? Your 90s rap game is strong. <laughs> well, no, like, I, seriously. that's what immediately what came to my head, and then I didn't even hear what the... <laughs> What else you said? We've been doing Tennessee. this for, what, six years or whatever? We would beat Tennessee. I, I, I think they beat Tennessee. I think you've sung a 90s rap song in like half the shows <laughs> we've done now. I don't know about that. I don't know about Can't that. Can't beat Pete with 90 No, trivia. no, no. But, uh, you know, a, a question Sean had. You got a, you had a question. <laughs> do you, you want to be competitive for the Big 12, or do you want to be competitive for March? Yes, Friday? both well, of them. Well, hold on here. You, in, in previous years, you'd have where the team was so good, and then yet they lost three games back-to-back. This team hasn't lost two games back-to-back yeah. the entire season. And in that, they seem to bounce back easier. Do you want this team ready to try to be competitive for the Big 12 tournament? Or, no. do, you, or do you want them really to be competitive for March Madness? I mean, I don't, I don't think they're all, like, they're mutually exclusive. Again, you know, I, I just feel like the tournament, the, the conference tournament to me is, 
doesn't mean as much. Out of the three, regular season title, conference tournament schedule, or NCAA tournament, I mean, let's face it, this whole sport is geared around the NCAA tournament. You're going to remember what run Tech did or didn't make in the tournament more than winning the, the tournament championship, in my humble opinion. Yeah. The, the conference tournament championship. Well, the game's 3 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, you know, backs against the wall a little bit after the loss to Oklahoma. But uh, you're home the next two. The first one, TCU. They got to get it done tomorrow. Hey, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, you can come out and join us for lunch. But uh, this weekend, uh, we're at the 82nd and University one. Friday night, tonight, live music. The Kinky Wizards are here at 9 o'clock. No cover charge. Saturday, of course, uh, the, the Red Raider game on Big, uh, Big 12 uh, ESPN+. Plus, uh, they have that here at all the Buffalo Wild Wings. So you can come watch the Tech game 3 o'clock Saturday. And then they're going to have UFC 271, which is a phenomenal uh, lineup. Uh, you know, the night before the Super Bowl, I cannot wait for UFC 271. Uh, no cover there as well. And then Sunday... You know, it's going to be a huge day with the big game. Uh, they have pre-order online for food for the big game, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. So a very busy weekend here and in the sports world. So what's, what's the big fight for 271? Oh, man, uh, you got Israel Alessante uh, fighting uh, Whitaker again. He beat him earlier, took the belt. Now they're fighting again. Uh, there's, and the undercard is phenomenal. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm always watching it whether – uh, I got to get it or I go somewhere. So uh, when we come back, uh, is that what's next? Yeah, we're yes. going to talk some Lady Raider basketball coming up next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings, 82nd and University on 101. Point. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Fortenberry Roofing, Wiley Implements, and Hub City Body Shop. Lady Raider Basketball. Yeah, Lady Raider basketball. <laughs> Welcome back to the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Show here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 82nd and University. Time to talk some Lady Raider basketball. And man, you know, close doesn't count, but in horseshoes and hand grenades. And uh, I mean, who plays hand grenades? But anyway, uh, Red Raider, Lady Raiders now have lost six straight. Uh, a tough loss to Texas. Uh, it was a game you could have won. You could have swept the the Longhorns for the first time since 2013. And uh, Texas pulls away at the end after Tech uh, cut it to two, uh, 61-56. So now the Lady Raiders sit nine and 13 overall, two and nine in conference. Uh, you know, six straight losses, Jared. What I want to know is, was there another like conflict? Because when they went in Austin, and, and they had the whole. There was. Yes. You're yes. talking about UFC. That's the fight I want to see. Yeah. You know, after the game, uh, you know, they had their trouble at the at the desk, uh, but starting the second half at the at the scores table. Right. Uh, in Austin, but uh, the the Texas coach, after shaking everybody's hand, something happened, and he got into it with uh, the assistant coach JC, and he had to be held back What's by the with players. I don't know, and I don't know if and he kept holding his hand, so I don't know if what? somebody didn't shake his hand. Somebody put on Facebook, somebody gave them horns down, which I don't oh, know why you wouldn't. Why are they Texas so won the game. sensitive yeah, about Yeah, so that. I don't know what happened, but I, I text Ronald, who, who had missed it, because he was at the game, and Ronald asked him, you know, what, what was going on? And he said, uh, 
he basically said no comment and the girls and then the girls quickly all said no comment no comment so we got nothing but uh, everybody thought the guy was it's a like hot a head. requirement on your resume to be a head case to work at UT well, I mean it's like or to go to UT well like, even the announcer said man when Texas Tech plays Texas there's always something involved and you saw it there but he had to be held back he was he was hot headed from fighting who from fighting, I mean, just going after the the tech assistant coach. Something, oh, okay. something happened. I thought you meant Gerlich. Like he was no, going to fight. No, no, I, I, like, I didn't see her in the mix. I mean, but it, he was mad about something again. But uh, you know, Texas Tech uh, again has been really, really close. But uh, you know, Krista Gerlich talked about how uh, man they've just continued and continued to battle. Um, it's not fun. You're that was 100 percent correct. That's what you just said, but. Um, you know, I, I what I'm taking from it is just how hard we're playing and how much we're battling, and that um, it doesn't matter if they're number eight, number sixteen, um, number twenty-five. Like our kids are in the fight, and uh, that's all I can ask for these kids right now. I mean, we're a growing program, we're building our culture, we're we're um, trying to build some chemistry with the kids that are out there on the court, and that they are doing a phenomenal job of being coachable, of putting game plans together. Um, and executing them, of um, being there for one another, um, making big shots, making great passes, getting big boards, um, and they're, they're being very unselfish about it as well. Um, so there's a lot of positives that, that you can take, and you got to just keep growing, right? You just got to keep growing and keep grinding, and that's probably what I've been the most impressed with because there's been some moments I feel like they could have waved the white flag, and that's not in their DNA, which is why we recruited them and which is why they're Lady Raiders. So, Pete, you're close to the program. How close are they to really? I mean, to being like a tournament team, competitive in the Big 12, really, not just yeah. playing well, tough and getting close. You know, again, I mean, it's just like on the men's side. The games are just tough, and you you got to find ways to win. And, you know, now they're five and six at home. I mean, you got to win at home. And so, you know, they're they're – you know, not you know, they're right there on winning games, but they gotta they gotta consistently win them, and they've lost at least five or six games that they they could have won, and so you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but uh, you know, I, I'm not sure you know what uh, is missing with this team. You know, really good question, um, and I, I appreciate the fact that you know it's recognizable that these kids have the ability to compete at that level. And I think what we have seen, and, and I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses, um, I think what we have seen is that we have an inconsistent roster, right? I mean, whether it's illness, health issues, whatever it may be. And that's hard. It's hard when you're trying to get into a, into a flow. However, what I do really like that this team is doing is that it doesn't matter who is on the floor. They've been competitive. I think we, we get over the hump when we're all together and um, have our entire roster available. I mean, I think you saw that the last time we played Texas, which I believe is the only game we've had a full roster available. Um, but with that being said, we're still so close, even when um, we have some injuries, even when we have some illnesses, whatever it might be. I do think that it's a... Um, a lack of not necessarily togetherness because these this group is really tight but i think it is a little bit of a lack of um chemistry that is only built over time and the fact that our our lineups and our you know whatever has to change so much it's hard to develop that chemistry to be able to withstand 
the Big 12 and their tough runs. I mean, let's just call it like it is. I mean, it's this is a grind, and um, we've got a lot of new kids really battling and trying to figure it out, and that's what I appreciate, appreciate about them so much is I get their best effort every time we step out on the floor, and um, that's what that's all we can ask for right now. But but I do believe that when they figure it out together and really put it together um, for 40 minutes, that we still have every opportunity to, to win ball games. Yeah, growing and grinding. They got to do it. Uh, they're on the road the next two games uh, tomorrow night at Oklahoma State at seven, and uh, then next Wednesday at Oklahoma at six. Uh, they'll be back home on the 19th of February. It's the annual pink game hosting Kansas in an afternoon game, two o'clock. So that's the next time you can see uh, the Lady Raiders at home, nine and thirteen on the year. And uh, obviously, Vivian Gray has been really strong for this team. And uh, uh, I know uh, Coach Gerlich uh, spoke real highly about her. You know, what I have really um, admired about Vivian this year, and particularly the last probably week or so, couple of weeks, is that um, she really has persevered through what I would say is a really difficult senior year and one that she wasn't expecting to have. You know, I know that she had... And worked so hard in the off season and was really excited about starting the year off well and you know and then I think missed eight games and which was not in any of our plans but I think that she has really developed a different focus over the last couple of weeks I think that her urgency um, is really on point for a senior um, and I think that she's just playing with a great amount of confidence and poise um, not only for herself but for her teammates I think that She's trusting um, the offense and the positions that we're getting her the ball in. I think she's being really efficient with her shot selection. Um, you know, she's always been a high-volume shooter, but now what you're seeing her do is being really efficient and, and taking high-quality shots and scoring them. And so her, sh her shooting percentage has been outstanding over the last couple of games. And uh, I just think that you're, you're seeing a, a Warriors mentality. You know, she's, she's willing to put her team on her back. Um, she doesn't think she has to do it all, but yet she's doing it all um, because it's just what the game is bringing to her. She's playing great defense. She's rebounding at a higher level. Um, she's knocking down shots, um, being really poised at the free throw line, and um, just really giving us a great overall performance. When you mentioned, uh, Jared, about, uh, you know, the little rift between uh, Tech and the, and the UT coach, uh, Krista Gerlich was asked about national girls and women in sports day and you'll hear her talk about it but she makes a dig about somebody and i didn't realize she was making the dig about the ut coach uh, ronald tells me and i saw people tweeting about it but here's her comments about sports day i think there's no doubt that um the P the, the reason that we are filling the stands up particularly with young girls or because of the outstanding role models that we have on the court representing lady raider basketball um and i think it's um awesome that you know, so many people came out tonight, um, whether that was the reason or not. Um, you know, the, I think we had a great clinic beforehand that, that we had great participation in from all the sports at Texas Tech, which I, I really want to thank Brandy um, Stewart for, for organizing that and for really encouraging all of our sports to be represented because um, it's not just about basketball. Um, and, and I think that was a, a fantastic idea. Um, you know, sports is so important for these young women. Um, it's just a time that it's an avenue that they can use, right, to become um, 
courageous and to become confident, um, to become successful, uh, to, to learn how to fight, um, to learn how to uh, persevere, and, and to be empowered. And what, what I love about our program is, is that we empower women um, from little girls that come to our games, to the girls that are on our bench, um, to, the, to the people that are on my staff, um, to the people that are in the stands. And it is um, unfortunate when you have other leaders of programs that want to um, address women, right, or attack women. Um, in a professional setting when um, they're supposed to be empowering their own women. And how can you do that when, um, how can you be a leader of women when you go after women, um, you know, in the profession? That, that just doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm super proud to be a Lady Raider and I'm super proud to represent our program. And, um, you know, our girls played with a lot of fight and with a lot of class. Well, you know, again, uh, the wins aren't there yet, but, man, Krista Gerlich is the right person for the job. She loves the Lady Raiders. Uh, and you know what? Uh, she's, you know, little by little it's going to turn around. And, and, you know, you want young girls in this town uh, dreaming of being Lady Raiders. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's an honor to play for this team. Uh, they got to just keep plugging. And you know, she said it, growing and grinding. So they'll grow again this weekend, and they'll keep grinding on the road at Oklahoma State tomorrow as they try to snap a, a six-game losing streak uh, in this tough Big 12 conference. Just like every other sport, recruit and develop. Yeah, that's it. That's it. When we come back, we're going to wrap, wrap up uh, with the full-court press. Uh, it is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings, 82nd and University on 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. Full Court Press. Three questions, no hedging time to get your opinions on the record. It's the Full Court Press. Pete, next win for the Lady Raiders will be? Well, they're at Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma. They only lost to Oklahoma State by two. They lost to Oklahoma by six. Uh, I think they're going to win Saturday at Oklahoma State. Jared, how many points will the Red Raiders win by versus TCU on Saturday at home? Yeah, I think TCU is better than most people realize. They're a pretty good team this year. But Tech's hungry. We already saw Mark Adams say wish they could play, what, just yesterday? They want to get mm -hmm. right back on the court. Um, they're going to be anxious for this. They'll be back at home with the USA. I say they win by 10. And, Sean, uh, who's going to be the leading scorer for the Red Raiders Saturday? That's going to be an interesting question, and we've had so many – different players that have stepped up. I think that it's going to be Adonis Arms. It's going to Whoa. be an Adonis Arms show. He needs it. And, he and, and that right there would, would be great. I would also like to see Bryson Williams continue that, that upward trend and get him really into the game. For everybody, Super Bowl predictions, Pete. Oh, man. You know, I uh, I guess I'm going to go with uh, – with the Bengals, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams win. I'll go 27-24 uh, Cincinnati. Hey, I'll say 35-31 Rams, but who knows? I mean, if Cincinnati's gotten this far, they could win. But uh, I hope uh, Matthew Stafford, a Dallas boy, uh, you know, wins the Super Bowl, gets a ring. Stafford and OBJ, two touchdowns, 42-35. I'm not rooting for Rams. OBJ. You think I'm rooting for OBJ as a Yeah, Browns I guess not. <laughs> Cowboys fan with him and the Giants, you know. I know. And that, my friends, is your full-court press.
Well, this has been the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pre-Game Show. We're wrapping it up here at Buffalo Wild Wings at 82nd and University. Next week, we will be at the 19th. Very good. Uh, 19th in Milwaukee, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. So uh, plan to come out and join us next week. Uh, Jeff will be back. Um, I think we missed him this week a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I miss Jeff. Yeah, I like Pessimistic Jeff. Jeff. You yeah. know, he would have had a lot to say about that loss in Norman. Yeah, I know. And you need that negative energy to feed off your positive <laughs> energy. So, But he'll be back next week. And, uh, man, we hope you'll join us 11 to 1 next Friday. Uh, again, thanks uh, for listening today to the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Show from Buffalo Wild Wings at 82nd and University on 101. 